Hey everyone, it's Matt. And this is Lucas. And this is Thanks for Playing. The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! Man, you are hyped up right now. I am. Calm yeah, down. <laughs> Calm down. We, we haven't... Uh, we haven't recorded a game episode in like five weeks. And the game episode Ghost of Tsushima was the last Tsushima. one. I know. Yeah. I know you love them. You love them. Have fun. Um, I climbed a V6 today at the climbing gym. Oh, I was almost nice. super happy about that. Yeah, I haven't gotten a six in a while. Been kind of because I haven't been going as much. I just I've kind of plateaued. Maybe even decreased my ability a little bit. But I've been uh, coming back from an injury, and I think this is the first six I've gotten since coming back from that injury. So nice. Very, very yeah. happy about that. Yeah, Congrats, man. Good. good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah, we uh, we had a little send train going, so like none of us could get it, and then one guy got it, and then another guy got it, and they're like mm. send train. Yeah, that's <laughs> a time never heard that term. Um, wow. I, I actually I crashed the send train because it took me two extra tries after that. But I, uh, that. So I was a little upset with myself. You should have lied. You should have left that part out of the story just now, Matthew. I know, I know, but that would have been good podcasting. I know, but I feel weird about lying these days. Gotta <laughs> yeah. be authentic, right? Gotta be authentic. Like a week ago. I was there. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. You're one week sober uh, of being honest. One week sober of being it. honest. Yeah. Um, I hear I hear you're getting your new toy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting the new iPhone. It's made of titanium, baby. I yeah. They all were I'm very excited. Were they, have no, they not no, always no. been? No, 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 no. I have like I, the 11. See, What's that made out of? Not titanium. Sheesh. No, I, I think it's their big marketing thing. I don't know. It's Apple marketing. Who knows how, like for real it's really being you know but the whole thing is that the back side of the phone is not glass anymore like the back of your phone if you look at it right now is like metal with glass Mm -hmm. but the new iphone is just metal okay so they're basically redesigning a weakness from the phone that they probably could have just alleviated a long time ago but hey it's apple marketing baby hell yeah you know how they do it they also got um... a USB-C on this next one which i'm which is a genuine like that's replacing they, the lightning port yeah they're not doing lightning anymore they're doing USB-C. Uh, okay it's just like that's they should have done that freaking five years six years ago they i mean there never should have been a lightning port in the beginning. i know <laughs> i know um that's great actually I'm, I'm very happy about that because i uh, i've always hated the lightning port actually and that ties in i i think a lot of people have like a love hate with apple i definitely lean more towards the side of hate but I don't want to be that guy with green text bubbles, so I just stick with them at this point. Yeah, that's how you. That's um, how they get you. Yeah. No, but I have your location. iMessage is very simple to use. Airdropping you stuff is easy. Um, I mean, when producer Sam creates the reels, where's he sending them? It's right on the phones. No, where it's does convenient. Hot Mickey have to? How does Hot Mickey have to get it to us? Fucking Google Drive. So annoying, yeah, dude. Uh, I will say. <laughs> The, the location's kind of funny, too, because I remember one day, like, last year, you texted me out of nowhere. Or I guess it might have been this year, actually. Um, you texted me, like, bro, what are you doing in Culver City? And I was like, how the fuck do you know I'm in Culver? And yeah. I was just like, oh, I didn't even realize I gave you my location, and then I have yours. And every now and then, I just peep. What's yeah, the, no, what's me too. What's Lucas up to? Me so, too. I'm like, where's Matt? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's really great. But I'm excited. Uh, over the weekend, so my internet was really screwed up for a while. Do you, do you recall this? for like two weeks yes so my internet for some reason like the ip my ip address just thought i was in like another country or something and like Mm -hmm. some devices were able to connect to my internet some weren't my ps5 couldn't connect my steam deck couldn't connect you probably could have gotten some sick netflix like you know could have gotten some weird shows yeah Yeah. 
Squid Game season two probably was available uh, on my <laughs> devices. Um, yeah, I was I was really frustrated with it. Call the technician, or I, I contact AT and T, which is the ISP that I have. Uh, guy comes on Saturday, like a technician actually gets sent out because they think there's like a real problem. Um, he just factory reset everything. It's pretty easy, <laughs> just at the end, which I thought I did, but turns out I didn't do it right. So he actually did help out with some of that. Okay. And then, and Matt, you're gonna love this. And then he's like, "Yeah, yeah. How, how much are you paying for internet?" I said, "Oh, you know, it's like eighty a month, something like that for my area." And he's like, "Oh, yeah, that's that's right. What about cell phone service?" I was like, "Ah, it's about 90. And he's like, "That's a lot, man. Are you bundled?" And I was like, "Bundled." And he's like, oh, yeah, man, you got AT&T Internet. You got to get AT&T cell. And I was like, wow, I never thought about that. Dude, 30 minutes later, I'm 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 transferring over to AT&T. And I'm getting the new iPhone. What carrier have you had before? T-Mobile. Are you going to get a new phone number? No, fuck no. Oh, you can never. transfer it? Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, thought then, I thought if you switched carriers, you had to get a new number. No, no, they could port, to port the number over. Um, okay. and yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited to be inducted into the AT&T family. I'm bundling internet and cell, which means I get $25 off my internet bill in two months. I get a $200 credit to my account for switching. Uh, and I get the new iPhone. I get to trade in my phone for $350. So honestly, at the end of the day, and the cell service is cheaper instead of it being 90, it's going to be like 65 or something like that. Damn. So you know it's crazy. It's pretty good. Is like bundling used to be like a taboo word. Like everyone hated it and it's making yeah. a comeback. Yeah. Are you seeing all these NFL commercials with Pat Mahomes and bundling? Bro. I haven't, I don't know. Cause I can only watch one NFL streams. I only, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I forget. Okay. I wish Mickey was here. Cause I, there's like a commercial right now. It's like a state farm commercial. I think there's like two versions of it with Mahomes. You know what? I, I vaguely know what you're talking. I've definitely and, seen and it. Yeah. There's yeah. one that gives me huge Matt energy. It's like bundle auto and and like house or whatever. It's and he's like in the locker room and he's like, "All right, guys, here's the play. We're gonna bundle, just like the one word, home and auto." And they're like, <laughs> "That's three words." And he's like, "Not if we bundle them." <laughs> and every, and then everybody's like, "Oh!" And like the locker room just freaks out and people just get super hyped because he bundled home and auto into one word. Uh. If I recall, that's the commercial. It's pretty pretty good. So I'm bundling. Are you bundling? I'm not bundling right now. No. Are you AT and T or are you? I have T-Mobile? Starry Internet. <laughs> what? Yeah, it's like um, the like service apartment complexes specifically. Um, oh. It's pretty weird, actually. So it's like it's like a a route. It's like a dish that goes on the top of our apartment building. That does like really good service, and I'm just like Ethernet through that basically. But um, okay, so yeah, it's pretty cheap relatively. It's like fifty a month, so that's not bad. Yeah, so it's not bad, not bad. I'm honestly not even sure off the top of my head what my phone bill is, so <laughs> I would need to dive into that. Are one you you're you sound you strike me as a Verizon guy? I'm T-Mobile. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. yeah. For some reason, you strike me as the guy in high school that would say. Yeah, do you have Verizon? Because I have Verizon. If we text each other, we have unlimited text. But if you don't have Verizon, then I can't text you all the time. So please <laughs> Bro, I jump on Verizon. I forgot that was a thing. Like, oh, you can't text me. You know, I have, oh, shit. I, I, have I, a, I, was, uh, I was Sprint originally until they got taken over by T-Mobile. Whoa, yeah. yeah I, I remember. I was, I was also Sprint. She, that's why yeah. we're friends. 
Yeah, yeah. We crazy. could have texted each other unlimited texts back yeah. in high school. Yeah. I got to say, though, real shout out to that, like, help IT guy that came to your uh, apartment. Bro, he, he got me. He, he probably got, like, it's like going in with Christmas bonus right there. That I know. Like, I yeah. know. He did. It's he a did. win for everyone. You bundled. No. And... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it was totally, totally a win for everybody's uh, thing. And there's, yeah, I mean, basically, I got everything that I wanted out of the whole thing. And I'm going to be paying less. And I'm getting the new titanium iPhone 15. Titanium iPhone 15. King Very shit. excited. All right, everyone. Well, as much as I love talking cell phones... We're, we're going a little more old school than that today. A little more retro. That's right, everyone. Today, ah, <laughs> we are talking about the number one ghost radio simulator. Oxenfree 2. Lost signals. Please cue, cue the ambiance. Cue the ambiance. That's right, the 7 out of 10 from IGN, 7 out of 10 from GameSpot, 8 out of 10 from Destructoid, and a whopping 74 out of 100 on Metacritic, Night School Studios' original game, published by Netflix Games, Matthew. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Oxenfree 2, if, Lost Signals. If we're lucky, actually, we might be getting a interview on the podcast from a guy that used to work at Netflix games actually. So, Ooh, okay. Okay. Am, um, Spoiler. That alert. is, uh, in the works and is also now doing a publishing gig. So stay tuned okay. for that. But, um, yeah, Oxford free too. um, made by night school studio real quick before you even have the developer. I just want to give a very brief synopsis of this game. So everyone knows what's up. Um, in case you haven't played this one and so you have some semblance of what man looks talking about this, this time around. So, Taking place five years after the original Oxenfree, Oxenfree 2 Lost Signals is a supernatural thriller game that follows the story of Riley, a young woman who embarks on a journey to investigate mysterious radio signals and paranormal events in a remote coastal town. As Riley delves deeper into the mysteries surrounding the signals, she uncovers a complex web of supernatural occurrences, eerie encounters, and a dark history that intertwines with her own atmospheric world. Excuse me, that intertwines with her own past throughout the game. Players will navigate through a hauntingly atmospheric world, make crucial choices that impact the narrative, and attempt to unravel the enigmatic seri- secrets of both the town and Riley's own life. Whew, you can tell we haven't done that in a minute. That was rough. Yeah, yeah. That was rough. it's been a while. Um, you want to do initial thoughts? You want to jump into that first? Yeah, real quick. I just want to give a little history of night school studio. So their first game they did was oxen free in 2016 followed that same year by a Mr. Robot mobile game actually. Um, and fun fact, oxen free is supposed to be getting a TV show, which makes a lot of sense considering they were acquired mm. by Netflix in 2021 as a part of Netflix's um, attempts to enter the streaming video game service. Um, Oxenfree, or excuse me, Night School Studio did also come out with After Party in 2019. I remember um, I was talking game about that. A very one. similar style to um, Oxenfree, same formula, basically, just different story, different setting. Um, and then they had another one called Next Stop Nowhere, which is a mobile only game that came out, I believe, in 2020 or 2021. And then Oxenfree 2, of course, was which just came out. Um, shoot, was this out in July or August? Uh, two, months, two months ago july. so yeah. july yeah honestly they should have held out for spooky season but whatever that's neither here nor there um 
yeah, and just more context. I mean, I you guys can go listen to our to our episode on it. I loved Oxid Free One. Um, it's up there, my all time favorites of games. You know, I think it's incredible, and I still think that. Um, so you know, if you want to pause here, go back listen to that episode, so you have a little bit more context of what we're gonna be doing here, and um, we'll get into it. But um, yeah, first impressions. You know, Lucas, I'd love to hear from you first on this. Actually, yeah. Um, so I think. Generally speaking, I'm not super bullish on choose your own adventure, story driven type of games like this. Um, and I think I, I enjoyed Oxenfree One more than I expected to back then. Um, I can't remember my score off the top of my head, but I, I like Oxenfree Run. I, I like the setting for it. I think ghosts, like radio ghosts, are fun. Pacific Northwest Core, I think I coined that on that episode of Oxenfree. <laughs> um, I grew up in Oregon, so I love like anything that has to do with like kind of stormy, like coastal Oregonian mystery. Um, so I, I like the setting for Oxenfree 1 quite a bit. Um, and, you know, Oxenfree 2 is highly anticipated. It actually got delayed. Uh, I know, Matt, you were really looking forward to playing it a certain time earlier in the year or maybe even last year. And then it's it got to come out in 2022. Del- yeah. Yeah. So it got its delay um, and moved forward overall. Pretty short game, honestly, with its delay news. I thought it was shorter than the first one, it seems. Yeah. Yes. And honestly, with its delay news, I thought that meant that it would be a little bit longer than the first one. So I was a little surprised there. Um, COVID definitely impacting some of the production of this game over a, over a long period of time, possibly. Um, honestly, initial thoughts. I thought this game was pretty mid. Um I feel that it took a lot of what made Oxenfree 1 special and tried to play a lot of the same tricks again. Um, I think the the lack of surprise of the setting and sort of the introduction of the antagonists and sort of the big bads and the ghosts is kind of lost on you playing Oxenfree 2 because it was all introduced in the last game in Oxenfree 1. Um, and it basically turns the deeper impact of teenage angst from Oxenfree 1 into now millennial angst as you play as a 30-something-year-old um, in Oxenfree 2. Um, like I said, the, the game's very short. I, I actually think this game could have benefited from a little bit of a longer, more drawn-out story, possibly. Um, there are a few characters, new characters that kind of join in that are younger, that are, uh, depending on your playthrough, maybe not explored as much. And then just generally speaking, uh, I think we probably could have seen a little bit of a different approach to some of the horror elements of the game. It's quite literally the same exact tricks pulled in the first one. Like, I mean that very literally. Um, I was expecting a little bit more of a twist, a little bit more edge uh, to some of it, because obviously if you play the first Oxenfree, you're pretty shocked when a lot of stuff kind of hits you for the first time. Um. Main criticism, I didn't hate the game, just thought it was a little bit mid. I didn't, should be told, it's not like I went through a 100% playthrough and found all the collectibles and did all the side stuff and did a second playthrough and stuff. Although, when I beat Oxenfree 1, I was definitely inclined to want to do all that stuff. In this game, I, I really didn't feel the need. Yeah. Um, and also, uh, the impacts of your decision making in Oxenfree 2, it's very clear that they're as not as impactful as Oxenfree 1. It's yeah. very, very obvious. Um, and usually the fun part of games like this is you're not quite sure where the story could have gone, but at the end of the day, like there's kind of a really binary, not binary, what's three, trinary, trinary choice near the end that kind of the game goes to a head that from what I was reading online doesn't really change unless 
it doesn't change a ton um, yeah. from what I saw. So that's my initial thought there. Yeah, honestly, Lucas, um, I'm I'm really with you on this one. You know, yes, I I uh, I, yes. I wanted to like this game a lot, but I won't stand something just because it's an IP I like. I I think I literally echo everything you said. I think, especially you know, the part of like they truly do like every kind of like scare, not scare, like every kind of like mood, like eerie setting, or like try to like scare you or a psychological trick, whatever that they do in the first game, whether it's like. Oh, all of a sudden you're in this weird loop or all of a sudden you're doing, you know, your screen gets kind of fuzzy, like staticky or things like that, whatever it may be. Or all of a sudden your friend gets possessed and starts floating in the air and you have to, for whatever reason, tune into them. They free them. Like it's literally all the same thing. Um, and we can kind of get into this more too later on, but like the only real new thing they added was a walkie talkie. And honestly, it's kind of fucking annoying. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, wasn't that it was a little annoying? Talking. I didn't really care for it. Uh, and yeah, I think the opening in particular is very weak. And in general, um, I don't think Riley and Jacob are nearly as likable as the rest of the cast from Oxenfree One was. Maybe that is a reflection of millennials and us, like our age groups. <laughs> I don't know. Because um, I think it is worth acknowledging this game does tackle things a bit differently as far as like themes. You know, it's definitely a lot of um, Oxenfree. The, the first Oxenfree is much more of a coming of age story kind of thing or like young adults, preteen, not preteens, young adults, late teens kind of teenager. Thing. Yeah. Um, whereas this is obviously you're playing as like um, what I can, I, I'm pretty, I don't think their age is explicitly stated, but there's like early 30 somethings. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, which is kind of interesting. Cause I mean, when I first played oxen free, I think I was like 18 or 19. So, or no, I've been 19 or 20, I think so. I guess like out of that coming of age, but close enough to where I could still like resonate with it kind of. And then now 27 playing this game, you know, it's uh, um, I'm at a much different point in my life. So it was interesting to see if that theme hit me. They didn't so much, but we can get into it. Um, mm -hmm. When did it click? Uh, I guess kind of after playing the first transmitter, I got a bit more interested, but it, yeah. it's truly just like the same thing. And it, actually it is a little different. The reason you're traveling on the Island in the first game is just because you're trying to save your friends. But um, yeah, I want to, I want to jump into story here. Um, yeah. I got a lot to say on story for sure. So the story follows Jacob and Riley and Riley, we went over quite a bit in the opening synopsis, but Jacob is basically just a friend. She's not a friend, but you know, Riley's on this island to do a job, basically planning these transmitters, you know, to study these like weird frequencies. And then she also is assigned to work with Jacob, who's like um, basically like this stereotypical lonely millennial dude that like lives on his own. And like the PNW, it's like kind of a, I feel like that's a stereotype, honestly. Yeah, he's a little bit of like a hippie kind of reclusive. Yeah, like a little uh, bit of a recluse. artist stereotype. Yeah. Um, and then the enemies are the same ghosts that you encounter in the Canaloa on um, in the first game that they got unintentionally sunk in the USS Canaloa got kind of stuck in like a uh, dimension slash purgatory thing is apparently when a nuclear reactor gets hit by a missile or torpedo, that's what happens. Yeah. Um, I, I think the game suffers from a lack of narrative development by virtue of there not being an interesting group like there was in the first game, you know? Right. And in the first game you had Clarissa, I think her name was Nona, Ren, Jonah, Alex, and they all had their very own interesting like stories. And even if they didn't have their very interesting stories, like at least like Ren was really fucking funny. Right. Like, mm -hmm. um, 
what drove you through the game and you the first oxen free was wanting to learn more about these characters their relationship with alex and ultimately help them or even not help them in some cases right whereas in this game the characters are kind of like i don't know these feel like tropes like riley is like the stereotypical kind of like oh my home life sucks i'm gonna go join the military but i'm gonna try and rekindle things eventually like i feel like i've seen that yeah. in other media um not to say some of the other characters in oxen free one aren't tropey but like it's just well, they work off each other better yeah and i think the problem is too is like in oxen free one even like your main character that you're playing as which is alex like the stakes are somewhat higher like the They're trauma so much higher like yeah. yeah like your friends are gonna die your brother died years ago and it, you kind of feel like the blame it's like alex's character is like uh, has a lot more like trauma associated like when you're learning about what is bothering riley through like the quarter midway point through the game, it kind of just feels like a lamer, less intense version of what was happening in the last game where it's like, oh, my dad, like, did your, did her mom die? Did her dad die? But it's like, no, my dad's just kind of a bum and my yeah. mom just left. And like, I don't know why. And she's pregnant to be fair, which isn't a thing to, you know, yeah, yeah, at, but like, yeah. I don't know. It, it just it isn't, they don't lean into it in a, in a good way. Like I think it would have, been more interesting if we actually knew more about like okay like what about this guy like you know what who who got her pregnant right or, yeah <laughs> there's none of that I or it would have been even gonna... better if like her and jacob for some reason had known each other a little bit before this and like un had a fling in un unintentional like got her pregnant like that would have been so much more interesting right yeah versus just like some random guy got her maybe not random i don't know but some guy that we don't ever get to learn about in the story got her pregnant um and yeah, they're just simply not interesting enough to carry the game as the too many people you follow. And I alluded to it, but one of the new mechanics in the game is a walkie-talkie, which is exactly as it sounds. It's a walkie-talkie um, where you can try, you, you know, you can talk to more characters throughout the story, but none of them you ever really meet and none of them are of any consequence, really. Um, yeah, you don't have to talk to them at all to make don't. anything happen. Yeah, like there's a dude on the boat who's like, I forget his name. I think it's Frank. And he's just like sailing and experiencing weird shit. And like, literally the only note is like, Frank seems lonely. I should talk to him. Yeah. And then there's like a ranger girl who you can save, but that affects like none of your immediate gameplay, which, you know, and they even tack those things on at the end of the game. Like, Oh, did you save the ranger by telling her not to go out or whatever? But yeah, that's like not a cool choice to even add in because for example, an alternative to sit, you know, thing, like example in the first game would be, um, did you push Ren and Nona together to ultimately like be dating each other? Right. Like that's interesting. That's characters I've been enveloped in and, and interested in, or like, did you save Clarissa or did you sacrifice her? Or did you save her and build mm -hmm. a relationship? Like there are so many nuances to those relationships and those choices, but here it was like, you either saved them or you didn't you either talk yeah. to you on the boat or you didn't. And it's just pure exposition at the end in like that little box too, where it's yeah, like, yeah. you could have at least seen it or shown it or like, done something that's a quite like hits a little bit harder um just like you know soullessly reciting oh five percent of players made this choice that you made um you didn't see the consequence of the choice they just i'm just telling you that they made that choice and it's like yeah. okay i guess i'm a little unique or 70 percent of players did this thing okay i guess i'm not unique doesn't really feel like it mattered to me because i didn't see the consequence yeah and then so there's that the main issues with jacob and riley and then there's what i'm calling the fuck face trio olivia <laughs> Dude, charlie and violet I hate those kids um and, so and their role in the game is basically olivia and 
Charlie, uh, led by Olivia, Charlie and Violet and all of them are basically like trying, you know, communicating with the ghost who also apparently is Alex um, from the first game and trying to reopen the portal. So Olivia can basically see her dead parents again and be with them again. Um, That's their motivations. Um, But somehow, and especially for Olivia, despite her having somewhat noble intentions, they still make her so fucking insufferable. I know. Um, and Dude. same for the other two characters. Like another thing was like at the end of the game, like, oh, you befriended Charlie and Violet. It's like, I don't fucking care. Like, yeah. Um, maybe it's because I, I think too, they're definitely younger than the original cast was in the first game, but they're like tweens, basically tweens. Yeah. But they're just brats. You, um, you know, what, you know, it's the most annoying part to me about that whole thing is Olivia is the girl, right? Like the main, the blonde girl. That was her yeah, name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So here's the most annoying thing. It's like, you guys, she, Olivia's like, you don't know what you guys are doing. And it's like, what do you mean? And she's like, you can't stop it. And it's like, stop what? And she's like, you don't know what you want. And I it's know. like, yeah. it's literally like this, un, this ridiculous like loop of like non sequitur dialogue of like Olivia just saying like, you don't get it. You don't understand. And then she doesn't explain anything. Yeah, I think at there's all. literally a, like, a thing where, like, you say, "Like, explain it to me," and then she runs off and is like, "You wouldn't understand." Yeah, and then it's yeah. like, and then she says it again, and she like just doesn't explain what it is at all. And then it's it's so like, I, I mean, it's hard to illustrate without actually playing through or seeing the scene or anything like that. But it's truly that repetitive because, like, I'm okay with a villain or like a, a bad guy in a story, like not fully explaining their plan that's fine that's normal but like when it's a teenage kid who just keeps repeating it's like creating a false sense of mystery it's like imbuing forcefully the fact that you're not getting this information yet and like i don't know it just it annoyed me so much some of those dialogue choices right there because like the kids the other kids could have easily because like there's a point where they're like not on olivia's side anymore and i'm like kids like can someone explain to me what the hell's going on here? Why are we just in a talking loop about, I don't like, you don't know what you're doing. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it was so lame. And the game kind of tries to add more color to things through like letters you find from Adler. And you can also kind of talk to the ranger a bit more to learn more about like the cult that the kids are kind of like following slash a part of. But again, like, I don't know, you know, in the first game when you played through it, I was so driven to like learn everything about that world. And I think I played through that game three or four times, honestly, not honest to God. Mm-hmm. I played it a lot. Um, but in this game, like I, you know, there, there's no drive to learn anymore about the world. Cause I feel like they kind of established everything in the first game. And then nothing in the second game is even interesting enough to want to learn about. Right. Um, like this whole thing with the cult being thrown in was kind of lame to me, to be honest. Like it's like the ghost should be interesting enough, but somehow they diluted the ghost to just being like, and you had a lot less interaction with the ghost in this game, I felt like, too, which was kind of lame. Um, I think one of the appeals of the first game was even just trying to reason with, like, these malevolent, like, creatures and the ghosts. Whereas in this one, you're, like, kind of talking to the ghost, and then you're kind of talking to Alex, and it's just very odd. And I want to fast forward a bit to the ending, but then we'll backtrack a little bit. But mm-hmm. the ending fucking sucks. <laughs> okay, what is your... Um, I want to hear what you have to say And I'll tell this. you why it sucks. Like 
you would be crazy to not pick Olivia to go into the portal right? at the end of the game. That was my it's, first like yeah. non like zero thought. Like I remember at the end, end of the last game, I was like, all right, do I want to close the portal? Do I want to try and save Claire? So what do I want to do? Like I was really thinking yeah. about it. And this game, fuck no, bro. Like yeah, she wants to do it, and she also deserves to not live anymore. Yeah, get, get like, her out of here. She is awful and like in every way, and there's no reason to not pick her. And that's confirmed by the fact when you when you get to like the epilogue type thing where they show you the choices, it's some obscenely high number, like ninety five or ninety six percent of people also just sent Olivia through. Yeah, and like three percent sent like Riley, and like one percent sent Jacob or something like that. Like it is so clear cut that that's like everyone hated this character and i think for and i hope the developers understand or at least take this from it, i think that's a sign that they fucked up that they didn't make yeah. this game's other characters interesting enough they didn't make these other possibilities interesting enough to even consider the ending intriguing there was no intrigue, no intrigue. to turn yeah, anyone else and like and i was really upset too that like as you, we mentioned earlier the ending was i guess i don't know if this is the right word trinary in the sense mm. that like you just pick one person to go die, basically. Whereas the first game, the choices were a bit more nuanced. You can either sacrifice Clarissa, seemingly breaking the loop, or you can save her but still end up in the loop. But like that, you're actually playing with a life there rather than like just some like oh go fuck this kid kind of thing. Yeah. Or like fuck this kid, and I don't know. It's just, and those might sound similar, but the like the emotional buildup to those decisions is so different, and the fact that like you actually right. have to think about it, and in the first game too. There's actually like if you collect enough tidbits about the Canaloa, you can actually like reason with the crew to like release Alex or excuse me, release um, Clarissa and let Clarissa. you go. Yeah. Whereas there's none of that in this game. Like you, there's not really any reward for actually going out of your way and exploring more other than like getting little tidbits about Maggie Adler here and yeah. there. And and also like I found that the decision at the very end, like within the scenario that's going on, there's not really a reason why Riley should have this choice. Like, why does Riley get to decide this? Everybody is just standing there. Yeah. And like, why is Riley like, no, you have to go. Like she theoretically, like she technically can't stop Jacob from going like, no, it's me. I'm going to do it. Like there's no restraint. There's no scenario. Like, if I recall correctly, in Oxenfree One, like people were like, like you were the one, like there was a scenario going on where you, you were like the to last one call. standing kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like in this one, it's like imagine everybody standing around, and Olivia's like, I want to go, and you're like, no. okay, you go, or no, yeah. you don't go, and it's like, how does that make any sense? I how think do you the have crux the decision was like to do she had to have the radio, and Alex had it, or Riley had yeah, it. Yeah, but like, like we're all standing next to each other. Yeah, yeah. Really so that and then- that didn't make any sense to me. Um, I agree with you with everything you said on the story aspect right there. And then my big criticism too with the story is like, I just found the, like, you know, a big thing about Oxenfree, I guess that's like kind of a trademark in the first one and in this game is while you're walking along from location to location, you have interesting conversations with your companions about life, uh, you know, maybe a metaphor or like an anecdote or something that can be somewhat interesting or kind of be like a message about the larger story or the larger themes. And I pretty much thought every instance of that in Oxenfree 2 was pretty weak, like pretty elementary. Um, if I, if I'm being honest, like, there's a point where you're on a bridge and you you t- stop and take a break and Jacob's like, yeah, you know, like, you know about bird migratory patterns? Sometimes birds go the wrong way. And then, like, they mate with other birds. Then the next generation of birds also go the wrong way. Yeah. And it's like, bro, like, so like a bird, like a, like a 
parent-child metaphor, like bird, like right now, like, like <laughs> I don't know. I just I felt I felt like that was like a super, like, like top layer kind of analogy. Uh, there's like a dialogue thing you can have over um, that's supposed to be kind of a deeper piece of dialogue too that you could have over the walkie-talkie. I think with uh, the fisherman, mm-hmm. the guy on Channel Five, I think it is, um, and he's like, oh yeah. As you get older, and when you're younger, there's a lot of light. And then when you get older, some lights go out. And then you get older, and then there's more lights that go out. And eventually, it's dark. And I'm like, bro, like, that is not that deep. Like, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, the some of these little moments where they're trying to be super, super deep are not. They're just, like, only, they're not hitting at all. And I, I think, like, at ultimately, at the end of the day, like, Riley's pregnant and, and doesn't want to end up being like her mom or like her dad which is a choice she has full control over at the end of the day. So I'd never felt like there was any real stakes or any reason for any of these metaphors to be talked out. Like there's all this talk about like growing up and all this stuff. But all I'm thinking in my head is like, Riley, just like be the mom. Like why, why are you like, what are you afraid of? Or like anything that you do wrong as a mom is like your own fault. Cause you're, you well, literally meet they, your kid because they don't. They literally don't even tell us like what was wrong, other than like, oh yeah, my dad's kind of a bum, or like, oh my mom wasn't there. Like, there's not really any actual like explanations, at least not yeah. that I caught on. Like, it's just like they're. It's just like they sucked. That's the explanation. Yeah, and and then they're like at the end, it's like, yeah, you'll have your kid, and then eventually you'll meet a wall that you can't climb over, or you can't. It's too long to walk around with your kid. Yeah, and then it's like, oh shit. Like, to me, that's not like a moment where I'm like, oh, that's what's wrong or, oh, that's why Riley is so afraid of having a child or all that kind of stuff. And she 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 even gets her own encouragement from her own son later that she did something wrong in the future past. And like none of that landed because the loop and like all that stuff was so nonsensical with a normal playthrough that I had. I just never felt like. There was any real stakes about Riley not being a good mother. That didn't make sense. Like, why would she not be a good mother? Um, like, how could she not break the cycle of generations that, like, are is alluded to so much through all these, like, I anecdotes I thought they kind stuff. of used, like, Rex, the son, as a, as a device pretty lazily, too, as, like, a plot device. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. like, cleverly done at all. Um, no, I agree with everything you said. And then two, two other things. Um one, I'm I really disliked how they made Alex kind of like the anti-hero here. Um her role was kind of that of like an antagonist turned, I guess like do do antagonist, right? Or do antagonist, you know what I'm talking about? Uh you mean like antagonist turned are you just talking about anti-hero stuff or it, she wasn't or like, necessarily a bad guy. But like you, you you she comes off as a bad guy. And she kind of is a bad guy. Like this is partly her fault that like these kids are trying this again. <laughs> yeah, right? that's true. And then like I don't know. I thought I thought that was kind of whack, but honestly, I also only wanted to finish the game, not because I cared about Riley, but because I, from the first game, I cared about Alex and all of her friends. So I wanted to see what happened. Yeah. But, and I know, and I know, I know, I know some things in games are just like, you, you kind of have to just accept it as what it is. Like you don't get an explanation, but the, the mechanics of like how Alex and all her friends are able to escape when only Olivia goes through Whereas like the ghosts are not able to do some similar like trade make 
no sense. Like she's just like, oh, the ghosts want everything. Like that makes no sense. And that's not their motivations in the first game either. Their first game motivations are just to get out, not to take over everything. Yeah, um, yeah. So it makes no sense that like Alex and all her friends can get out, and only Olivia goes in. But apparently, the ghosts need everything. Like, and honestly, too, like the whole game, have any question now? Like, all right, well, are the ghosts wanting freedom really any less noble than Alex and her pursuit of freedom? They're both trying to fuck over a kid. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> It makes no sense. Um, yeah. It kind of, I was upset that they made me dislike Alex a little bit there. Uh, I was really Dang. upset about that, actually. Yeah. Dang. Should we uh, hop over to game design? Or you had one more thing? Uh, 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 I don't know what it was. Okay. We can move on to uh, game design. I, I, got a, I got one here. And there's not much on game design. Um, it's a pretty standard affair um, in terms of, each part of the game is divided up into chapters that are different hours throughout the night. So 10 p.m., 11 p.m., 12 a.m., 1 a.m., etc. cetera. Uh, and basically, each chapter, you're given a task or a place to go. You go there, 50% chance that you've been there before or you're backtracking through some area that you've been through before. There's a somewhat deep conversation. There's an attempt at a deep conversation while going from point A to point B. There's a scary moment. It was all a dream. Move on. That's like quite literally how every chapter went in like 30 minute increments where like one thing I think that really annoys me is when there's like a scary moment. Like let's say you're watching a scary movie, Matt. The horrific scene. It's super scary. Oh my God, this character dies. Bam, it was a dream. Nothing happened. No one got hurt. No plot progression really. Like no new information was learned. It was all just to scare you for a few minutes, right? Um, that's a big pet peeve of mine when I watch horror movies. I felt like this game did a lot of that throughout the the chapter buildup where there would be an area you go to, someone would get possessed, you would make sure they don't, you would free them from being possessed, maybe learn something new, maybe not, and then move on to the next location after you had a conversation with Evelyn on a walkie-talkie. And I, I thought it just got really repetitive very quickly. Um, I wasn't a fan of the the conversations that were being had from point A to point B. And honestly, because like we mentioned, we already got all these tricks played on us in Oxenfree 1 when we last played it. It didn't feel like anything was hitting any harder in terms of the scares. Yeah. So the sound design's like literally the same too. Like when you're moving from your like radio frequencies and stuff or like some of those big moments where you're opening portals or anything like that. And then the only other thing is like, a very, very, very light puzzle solving thing when you go back between time periods through like tears in time. Right. Yeah. And I say puzzle solving extremely lightly. It's like hardly even a puzzle or anything. Um, and I found that to be pretty, un- one, a little unexplored and also just kind of dull in general. Like you basically can go well, through Well, in general, the, I mean... <laughs> The time travel terror thing was really weird that they included that. Like, it, it was yeah, just, what'd you think? <laughs> it, it was just kind of there, like, inexplicably. Um, it it like, doesn't oh, make any sense within the story, really. It's like, oh, now there's time travel rifts. Um, yeah. And there's, like, the thing at the beginning of the game, too, where she has that dream where she's meeting, like, Maggie Adler or whatever, who I guess is also stuck behind the portal. I'm not totally sure, but I don't know. It, it was just none of it was explained well, and it was just kind of like, I think my biggest thing with the scares in this game and like the little things like that they threw in like the time travel is it felt like they were trying to be weird just for the sake of being weird. Mm-hmm. And like, it wasn't even done well, you know, like for example, like a game that is kind of crazy and creepy 
just for the sake of being crazy and creepy that does it very well great example eternal darkness yeah right the sanity meter like a lot of that stuff doesn't make sense within the plot of the game but it's sick it's really dope and it makes for a really interesting game experience and a lot of it's kind of similar like you know your game your screen distorts like that happens in eternal mm-hmm. darkness um go listen to our interview with dennis Dyack, by the way great interview. please 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 um but yeah, like it's just it's it's not done in an interesting way, and there's like no, um, no iteration on it from the first game, no surprises, and um, yeah, it's just a little disappointing for something that was it, delayed and delayed and in development for seven years. It, yeah, and and also like within the story world that we've we're in, like you're literally traveling back like hundreds of years at a time, and the characters just like whoa, it's the 1800s now. There's like no people. There's nothing to really interact with. They're kind of just like excuses to change the environment that you're already in slightly yeah. so that you can get through to from point A to point B. Like, I feel like they're not really, it doesn't even really feel like you're traveling through time in a real way. And in fact, the, the game just tells you what year you're in, like through like, which, which I have a problem with because I, I feel like it's just pure exposition. Like, if they wanted to make it more interesting or more intriguing, they could have just not told you what year it was. And like, you just travel through a rift and you're like, Oh, whoa, where am I? Where are we? You know? Instead, it's just like you travel through a rift and all of a sudden the screen just says 1890, which is not information that any character should actually know. No one's privy to it. except No one's privy to that. So like you, you know, something as the audience that the characters don't know, which is like kind of the antithesis of what you're trying to do with a game with a game like this that's very story driven and character driven. So there's like moments like that that happen where you go through a portal and the characters all of a sudden know what time period they're in. It doesn't really matter. They don't really interact with anybody. There's no implications of a time like of a butterfly effect or any sort of issue with the rift. In fact, it doesn't even really feel like there's consequences to the actions of time traveling, which like doesn't quite make sense within the world that you're in as well. Um, so not a, not a fan of the tears in time. Not a fan. Um, all right. That's pretty much covers game design. We're going to talk about art style. Uh, I mean, I still like arts, the art style, to be honest. Um, and I think it's good enough to where it didn't really need to be iterated on in any crazy way, personally. Um, I'll agree there. I think it looks kind of like almost comic book slash graphic novel-esque is how I would describe it. Um, I don't know if that's super accurate, but I'm not really sure what else to call it. Um, but I like how the island looks. I like the character designs. I like how the ghosts look. I think they're depicted pretty cool and like juxtaposed pretty well, like, um, and inside that world. Um, and the island looks good. Yeah, uh, I'll pretty much agree with you on a lot of that stuff. Um, I'm not sure if it happened with you, but some of my animations were a little weird, like climbing ladders and oh, really? doing rock no, climbing I and stuff. Yeah. I had some issues there. Um, my only feedback here is that I was a pretty bugged that the animations were pretty much reused in so many ways. Like a lot of the art style was really reused from the first one. Um, Cause like, I mean, I, th- I think when you play like a direct sequel to a game, you're, you're expecting a lot of the same arts, you're expecting the same art style, but you're not expecting like quite same like the same, the same assets and animation and stuff like that. Um, so I just, I wasn't happy with like, okay, glowing red eyes again, like floating body in the air animation and stuff like that. Um, I don't know. My first thought that I that comes to mind is like a duology, like God of War and God of War Ragnarok, where you actually get quite a bit of new like 
animations, kill animations, like yeah. a lot of really cool stuff when you're kind of going through and like playing the game. Uh, part two compared to part one, but this one just quite literally felt like the I same. I think the way they juxtapose the ghosts though and have them like above have them be taller. I think that's I think that was new. That was new. That yeah. was new. And I like that. It I was like really that. cool. Yeah. That's they should have done every they should have like redes not redesigned them, but they should have done some new and interesting things with these ghosts. Yeah. Which apparently have different motivations now. I was pretty upset though that the way the like triangles looked when you like connected to them or whatever through radio was pretty much exactly the same. That was a bit of a bummer. Yeah. Um yeah, it's okay. Uh sound design on this one. Um so I did like the soundtrack a lot. I think it has great ambiance. I didn't really care for the voice acting in this game. Dude, me neither. Um, everyone sounds like they're everyone, has a sarcastic delivery on every single yes. line. Uh, every every conversation between especially just Jacob and Riley, it all sounds sarcastic. And I don't know if you caught on this too, but Riley, especially in her dialogue, uses like so many uhs as like a filler word for her dialogue. Um, and I think they're trying to make it more like human, I guess, in that way. But even if that is accurate to how much we use uh in everyday conversation, it was pretty fucking annoying. And no other medium does that or film does that like that or game really. So no need to do it yeah. here. You know, no need unless to, you're Kendall Roy, unless you're, unless you're Kendall Roy. Um, oh, damn it. I just said, um, but you get my, my, point. my, like, my problem. My problem with that is like all the filler words. Cause IGN in their review actually praised the fact that there's a lot of ums and pauses in the dialogue because it's like more natural or whatever. I'm using I natural the pauses with are fine, but and, uh, well, the, my problem with it is that the conversations are happening at the pace that you push your butt, your button for your dialogue choice. So like Jacob will go like, Oh yeah, why did you leave like the town? And then you're like picking a choice and then you pick one and it like the pacing doesn't align with the delivery of the line that Riley's giving, right? Yeah. Cuz it's like, why did you leave the town? I had to leave uh you know, I had to go. Or it's like it it pauses and then the um and it just it doesn't sound natural to how we actually talk to people. So you got to like find a good middle ground and maybe not have so much um and filler in your vocal vocal performances because when you actually at the end of the day cut it together in the pacing of the game it just ends up sounding a little bit weird um and just literally every line had a sarcastic delivery and i was just really not a fan yeah um and like there would be very serious situations that felt like there needed to be a little bit more seriousness to it and instead was undercut with some sort of humor which was not that charming um which i think they're trying to be very charming but it just doesn't it it feels like it lowers the stakes and yeah i'm just wasn't wasn't a big fan of a lot of that stuff yeah uh did you like the soundtrack though i do like the soundtrack i do Good like soundtrack. the sound i do like the sound design of like the ghosts the radio stuff like i always love how it stuff. sounds when like the ghosts are stringing together words yeah it like, sounds incredible radio. yeah amazing but we just had like they just it's the exact same trick. That's yeah. that's one thing is like it's just more of the same, which I like. Um, maybe it changed up a little bit here and there, but that's that's it for sound design. All right, NPC award. Um, I'll go first. I I just picked the ghosts. Okay. Should have should have just fucked them all up. They all kind of yeah. suck. That was uh, <laughs> that was my take. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, I'm going with Athena the dog. I, I almost picked Athena, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not really much going on there. I mean, the kids are out. The the tweens are out. Jacob, he's out. He was pretty pretty not great. Um, Rex, vehicle for family trauma stuff. Yeah. Didn't really get a lot out of Rex. Um, and honestly, I thought there was going to be a little bit like of a twist with Athena, but that didn't feel like any real payoff for me. Um, with like the like Jacob's dog, it's just like, oh, she's missing. You learn that like a quarter of the way through the game. Then you just find her and then you pet her and then you move on. Yeah, I thought for sure. Did like, I, miss I was something? gonna no, you didn't. I thought for sure we were gonna I had the same thought that we were gonna I thought we were gonna enter like some crazy loop or something, like when she showed up and then she was actually gonna be like dead or something. Like anything other than her just I mean, I'm happy the dog was okay, don't get me wrong, but it was weird that they even brought it up just for her to show up in that manner. It could have not existed, it would have made no difference to the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. And I, I'm pretty, no, actually, I have to look this up, but I'm pretty sure no matter what, Jacob goes with you to the island, even if you tell him not to. I'm not totally sure, though. Okay. I heard, uh, okay. I thought there was something where if you if you talk shit on him enough throughout the game, he won't go. Oh, really? Okay. But, I could yeah. believe that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Favorite moment. You know, it really, this might sound trite. It really was just the ending. Dude, me um, too. Me too. I was. I did. I was actually very happy to see Alex and everyone else free. Cause like I've said, I really, even though the, I wasn't happy with how they portrayed Alex in this game, I'm very happy that, and I love, I liked her character from the first game a lot. And I was really happy to see like Ren, Jonah or Jonas, excuse me, Nona, Clarissa, all of them be free as mm-hmm. well. Um, they got a lot of explaining to do because they've been missing for five years. But whatever. I know, um, right? And they just walk off and they're just yeah. like, oh, cool, we're back. It's like coming back from when Thanos snapped, kind of. I know. Um, oh, it's been so awkward. But I'm very, very glad to see them all okay and that made me happy. Yeah. My favorite moment is also the ending. Um, that's how you know it's a little bit of a rough showing for TFP when our favorite moment category is like, yeah, the ending. My God. Um, unless it's like, Outer Wilds or something sick like that, where the ending is genuinely like one of the best moments. Um, do we oh skip companion piece pick? Because I got so a good, good. one. Um, oh, we did. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, what do you got? Okay, you go first because I, I like mine a lot. <laughs> so I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> at first, I had it follows, and I don't know why I had that. I couldn't. I couldn't put it together. Horror? Why I had you just watched it? It's just horror, but like I couldn't think of any like thematic, like you know anything. Um, so for some reason I just wrote down American horror story instead. Okay. Which season? season? The first season. Okay. Okay. Love it. Um, quick rating on, uh, it follows out of 10. Mm, Can I give a point like 8.5? Okay. I'd give it the nine. Nine, Good movie. Yeah. Good movie. Very good. Especially Halloween time is coming up. So if anybody needs a horror movie recommendation, it follows is the shit. Fun fact. Um, I'm sure you mentioned this in the episode, but Disaster Piece, the composer of the soundtrack in that movie, also composed the soundtrack for a game called Hyperlight Drifter. Another very good game. Sick game. It's a beautiful uh, soundtrack. And Under the Silver Lake, a movie we both like that mm-hmm. apparently Chambers doesn't like, which we learned this past week. And uh, pretty, dis- pretty disappointed in that guy for that. Quite. Um, okay. Companion piece pick for me. Now... One thing that this game is trying to really like scratch or like one theme it's really trying to get to is like kind of millennial, like 
directionless millennial kind of mentality where, you know, you're a 30 something, maybe you have problems with your parents, you're not quite sure where to go in life. There's like kind of this, there's a lot of media, there's a lot of stories that are kind of having this theme these days where, you know, as a 30 something in today's world, what does it look like to become an adult? What does it look like to, you know, find and alleviate conflict with your parents? What does it feel like to become a parent? That's like what this game is trying to touch on. And like we've talked about through this whole episode, I don't feel like it's doing it in a real effective way. And one thing that did it in an incredible way this year was beef. So I'm doing that with my companion piece pick. Um, Purely going off of the theme, I think that that show is actually how you cover millennialness and like parentage, like uh, being a parent as a 30 something, having issues with your parents at that age, how you work through those issues, or if you choose not to, or choose to work through some of those issues, millennial rage and frustration, all the things that a 30 something in the modern world goes through beef nailed absolutely perfectly. It's on Netflix. It's kind of ironic. Netflix made published this game as well. Um, watch that show. It's absolutely incredible if you haven't already. And I think it'll pretty much hit all the themes that this game was trying to hit way more effectively. I agree with that. And yeah, go watch Beef if you haven't. That show is outstanding. Very Dude, yeah, good. I love that show. Uh, Rename this game or nitpicks. 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 Okay, I got. I'll go with mine. I like I said, you're walking and you're talking in this game, and you're having these like kind of deep conversations as you're walking from point A to point B. I'm. I get so annoyed when. One, the dialogue goes over each other. Like a character starts saying something and the other character like says another piece of dialogue that's layered on top that shouldn't have actually started yet. Like if you're looking at a point of interest or you pick something up or you like click on something, Riley will say a a line out loud while Jacob's talking and it just messes, it just breaks the illusion, you know? And the other thing too is sometimes the conversation will be happening as you're about to go to the next thing and you hit a loading screen and then the conversation dies and you're like why wasn't the conversation shorter or why couldn't why couldn't the length of the walk fit the length of the conversation because otherwise i gotta sit here and stand yeah and have the conversation and it was weird too i had a couple times where if i did go into new area it would continue the conversation the other times where it wouldn't so yeah i don't know what that was about but um nitpick yeah i mean the biggest thing for me is you know it was just genuinely an uninteresting cast of characters um, the choices don't really matter, and I think overall the just the story is explained pretty poorly here. And um, they don't really iterate on the things they did well. They just kind of throw them in you in the exact same manner, and it's it's not exciting. It's not fun. Yeah, yeah. All right, alternate names. I'm gonna be honest. Cause, you know, I, I'm not lying today. <laughs> Do you lie um, most days? <laughs> um. I totally forgot to write some things down, so I just came up with these two minutes ago. Okay, no um, worries. One of them I'm actually pretty happy with. The other one is kind of... Well, first one I had was Radio Death. <laughs> and I gotta say, I gotta say, I'll, I think just because of Radiohead, but I think that would be a very cool band name, Radio Death. Okay, um, I like that. Second one, sounds like a hardcore band. Second one, all my all my homies from OC and maybe Lucas, you listened to this growing up too on the radio. The Ghost of Power 106. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay I like that. 94.7 uh, The Wave. 94.7 The Wave. Uh, these are just radio stations in like the Southern California area. <laughs> Oxenfree 2, 103.5. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, but I felt I felt pretty good about that one. Come up with that one on the spot. So okay, yeah, there you go. So I got I got three ones I came up with my own, and like ten that ChatGPT gave me. So we're gonna go down my real Ooh. ones first. Okay. Uh, Oxenfree two missing signals. Oxenfree two unlocated signals, mm. and Oxenfree two hard to find signals. <laughs> okay. But but ChatGPT just came up with some incredible ones. Uh, it's kind of kind of incredible. Oxen free two echoes unheard. Oxen free two. Oxen free two broken broadcast. Oxen free two the vanishing waves. Oxen free two fading frequencies. Oxen free two signal shadows. Kind of Oxen free two lost echoes. Oxen free two signal break. That sounds like an action game. Yeah, dude, it really it actually does. Uh yeah, so pretty wild how good some of those titles are. Um we may or may not use ChatGPT to do this segment later in the future. Maybe this segment the segment's just called ChatGPT renames the game. Oh, I like that. Yeah. We'll do that actually. See, see what it does. Yeah. Um right. last um, segment here, or second to last. Lucas, sealed approval from you. Not really. Um Honestly, I, I wasn't I, I liked Oxen Free One. I think people would enjoy the game. I think people should play that game. I didn't like it as much as you, Matt. But if you're gonna play one or the other, play Oxen Free One. You don't really need to play Oxen Free Two. This game also does suffer from like the whole like it does really feel like this game was written to be layered on top of Oxen Free One rather than be like a true like continuation of the story. It's more like a DLC, it, if anything. Yeah, it feels like um Okay, here, check this out. So it feels like Pirates the transition from Pirates of the Caribbean 1 to Pirates of the Caribbean 2 rather than mm. the transition from Pirates of the Caribbean 2 to pa- Pirates of the Caribbean 3. Whereas yeah. like Pirates of the Caribbean 2 finishes up and you're like, oh, there is a sequel. Like they wrote this with a sequel in mind. And when you watch Pirates of the Caribbean 1, it feels like its own little condensed story, kind of wraps it up, maybe room for a sequel kind of, but no direct sequel. And then they write the sequel later. That's kind of like what- Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, but Kingdom Hearts actually does have some nuggets from the first one that do plant seeds for the future of the series. So Oxenfree 1 kind of didn't do that. Did it? I mean, other than like the super obvious stuff, no. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, Um, does this get your Segoy of approval? So I don't think this game is a total waste of time, but... I would not recommend it unless you are a diehard fan of the first game and really care about seeing how Alex stories, how Alex's story ends. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is not enough to get a Segoy of approval from me. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately. Okay. So final conclusive thoughts on the game and then let's do our rating. So that's been a little bit of a short one for us, Matt. Usually this go quite a bit longer, but I've enjoyed talking about this game. So uh, we're going to do our rating. It's out of 10. Matt and I are both going to share our scores at the same time. And that'll be the combined. Sc- the combined score will be out of 20. And that'll be the final rating for the game. Matt, three, two, one, six. Five. Wow. I should have gone lower. Okay. Um, you gave it a five. Jesus. Yeah. I was going to go six, but I think I was just so disappointed. Um especially as a fan of the first game, you know, this is a five and um, I did not have fun playing this game. <laughs> I guess, I guess I gave it the six to be nice, but that's, I could have easily given it sweet. a five as well. <laughs> yeah. I could have easily given a five. I mean, that puts this at 11 out of 20. 
which puts it in our scale 5. in the 5. ten in the ten ten zone. Yeah, which is not the zone you want to be in. Yeah, uh, not a, not a good place to yeah. be. But um, why is the Rockley zone below the Hinata zone? That doesn't make sense. Know. Honestly, we got to redefine our yeah reads a little bit, but. <laughs> We should probably have it based on something other than Naruto character tier, so. tier lists. Um, yeah. <laughs> Maybe no, we just do tier lists for our own games, you know? So you have like the outer wide. No, what's gotten a perfect 10? The Undertale Zone. Undertale Zone. You know, uh, whatever's gotten a night, like the God of War Zone, you know? And then now we well, have a new I'd zone. Have, I'd have some gripes about God of War being that high, but <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure uh, it well, out. Well, I guess I can do God of War Zone. It's not God of War. Not a God of War Ragnarok Zone. Okay, okay, um, fair enough. That was such a fun episode to record. Ghost of Tsushima Zone would be the that's nine. Good. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, a solid one. Um, okay, 5.5 out of 10 is what this got, or 11 out of 20. Uh, so, yeah, if people are mad, Matt, where could people find us? Email us online Ooh. if they want to contest this score officially. Everyone, as always, you can find us online at TFE Podcasts. That's at TFE Podcasts with an S at the end. As well, you can shoot us an email at thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com or go to our website, thanksforplaying.live, where you can find a link to our Discord. As well, if you go to the link tree in any of our social media handles I had mentioned previously, you can also find um, in the link tree a link invite link to our Discord as well. Coming out, it's a great time. It's really the best place to reach myself or Lucas. Um, chat about the podcast. We have a great fantasy football thing going on right now and even if you're not in that league i think you'll definitely enjoy just to come in and you know chat and fo- football with everyone it's there's a, a lot and um, we're always talking about the latest stuff going on and uh it's a lot of fun um i'm really looking forward lucas to our next october game um this is in some way like an early october thing because you know it's spooky but uh what are we doing what are we doing um, this year i think i'm just gonna put up there's like three mana meeting games that are out right now. And that's all done by supermassive games. The people that did until dawn and the quarry. So I'll put those up to vote and let the people pick which one we play and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Okay. I'm excited to get really drunk and play yeah. those games on a weeknight with you. Yes. For those that don't know, we decided to play like just a super like until dawn style game and for Halloween there's, for some reason, a plethora of them to play. Honestly, we can yeah. with even with no more releases, we can do this at least this year and two more. So yeah, let's do um, uh, let's do pizza and beer this oof, next time. All right, yeah, uh, I might sneak in a whiskey, a cheeky whiskey. Lock. Okay, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honey Jack, Honey Jack. That's for, yeah, for, that's for that's a Rock of E special right yes, there. Sir. Yes, sir. Um, well, we also need. Don't we play two games in October? We need like an actual single player game that we're playing through, or are we doing that? Because last year I think we did Dead Space and then. Uh, the quarry oh you're right we do yeah we could do that so yeah, we'll figure that out maybe we could play a short you know psychological horror thing yeah, yeah. That out. i'm with that. okay we'll yeah. figure it out with the guys cool all right everyone well this has been thanks for playing catch you next time Scooby-Doo-Bop. thanks for playing is a production of good ideas only your hosts are lucas luna and matt rockaby our music was done by the impeccable samuel luna and our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch and Red Circle 